The time is 9 o'clock. You're listening to CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick. Hello and welcome to Tantramar Report on CHMA 106.9 FM and chmafm.com. We're broadcasting from Sackville, New Brunswick, the heart of the Maritimes, on the traditional and unceded lands of the Mi'kmaq people. I'm Erica Butler. It's Tuesday, November 21st. On today's show... A lot's happened in the last two years, right? Not just... There are more things happened in this world than carbon taxes and, and, and uh, you know, the Canadian Consumer Price Index going up. In light of the increasing debate and confusion over the federal carbon tax, we called up Mane Economics Professor Craig Brett to get a lesson in how the tax works and whether or not it's to blame for the affordability crisis. That's coming up shortly, right after some news and information briefs. The Southeast District RCMP think a second vehicle was involved in a crash that killed a 17-year-old on Route 106 in Memramcook in September, and they are asking for the public's help to find the, find the driver. At around 1.20 in the morning on Friday, September 29th, police and emergency crews from Sackville and Dorchester were called to the crash, which appeared to involve a single vehicle whose driver had lost control, left the road, and entered the ditch. Police said speed was a factor in the accident. The passenger of the vehicle, a 17-year-old boy from Moncton, died at the scene, and there were no other reported injuries. In a release last week, the RCMP say that several specialized policing services have been involved with the investigation, including an RCMP collision reconstructionist, forensic identification services, the Major Crime Unit, and the Southeast Crime Reduction Unit. A member of the New Brunswick Coroner's Office is also assisting. Based on their investigation, police have determined that a second vehicle was involved with the crash and that driver fled the scene before emergency services arrived on September 29th. Police are searching for a 2019 grey or silver Chevrolet Silverado and have released a photo of the truck from CCTV footage. Constable Rob Driscoll of the Southeast District Crime Reduction Unit says investigators are aware that there are witnesses who know what happened during that evening, and he is asking those people to come forward with information so the RCMP can bring closure to the boy's family. Police are specifically asking for statements, dash cam, or security footage from residents living on Route 106 between St. Thomas Street in Memramcook and Anderson Mill Road in Upper Dorchester. Home heating fuel provider Maritime Fuels has declared bankruptcy, and some customers are concerned they might be out hundreds or thousands of dollars paid through the company's advanced payment plan, used to help avoid especially large bills over the winter months. According to a release from Service Nova Scotia on Friday, the Dartmouth-based company filed for bankruptcy on Thursday, November 16th. Price Waterhouse Cooper has been appointed insolvency trustee in charge of dealing with creditors or those who are owed money. Service Nova Scotia is recommending that anyone with credit at Maritime Fuels contact Price Waterhouse Cooper for information. They also recommended contacting banks or credit card companies to stop any automatic payments to Maritime Fuels immediately. A post on the website for Price Waterhouse Cooper says that materials relating to the bankruptcy, including a notice of the bankruptcy and the first meeting of creditors, as well as a proof of claim form, will be sent to all known creditors of the company. It's not known how many customers are affected by the bankruptcy or what precipitated it. Now on to today's feature. On Monday, the United Nations Environment Program released its 2023 emissions gap report, outlining still increasing global emissions and record-breaking warming. In the first nine months of 2023, 
The report's authors say 86 days were recorded with temperatures more than 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. And this past September was the hottest recorded month ever, with global average temperatures 1.8 degrees above pre-industrial levels. Needless to say, the report calls on all countries to take on rapid mitigation measures and a low carbon transformations. Last week in Canada, the Angus Reid Institute released results of its latest survey showing how Canadians feel about the carbon tax. The economic tool has become a flashpoint for right-left politics in Canada and New Brunswick as of late. According to the Angus Reid Institute, 42% of Canadians would like to see the tax abolished. The Institute's report also found misconceptions about how the tax worked were common. CHMA called up local economics professor Craig Brett to take us back to the basics on the carbon tax. I started off asking Brett exactly what it is. Quite simply, uh, carbon tax is meant to increase the price of things that emit carbon, um, CO2, into the atmosphere. Uh, notably most kinds of fuels, and, and particularly fossil fuels. The idea is, is Econ 101, really. If you increase the price of something, uh, people will use less of it. And so it's seen as a mechanism to uh, reduce people's use of, of fossil fuels by uh, you know, adding a bit to their price. Okay. And, you know, is it a controversial mechanism? Like, you know, in economics, is it a fairly well-accepted principle that that you know you you put up the price of something and people will use less of it uh pretty much that's uh you know it's what we call the demand curve in econ is one of the first uh, first pictures we draw uh i mean the only debate is is sort of how steep the curve is uh how much response you get uh per unit of increase in price so if there is a debate about the carbon tax and its effectiveness in reducing people's use of uh, or emissions of greenhouse gases it's whether it produces much of an effect uh, given that of course it's increasing prices and taking money out of people's pockets and so are you getting you know bang for your buck as it were is the only debate and how big is that bang for the buck right so I mean and I imagine it depends on what the good is because I mean like for me I can I can choose to drive a bit more or drive a bit less but I don't typically want to choose to heat my house a bit more, heat my house a bit less necessarily, or it seems like different decisions there. So is is that what's at play? Like, are the alternatives available one of the determining factors of how well carbon taxes work? Oh, indeed. And uh, unfortunately, carbon tax designs are very different from country to country. So it's kind of difficult to triangulate um, from one country's experience uh, or even one province's experience in Canada what the experience is going to be uh, in another place. Uh, you know, some of the more recent studies I've seen from places like Sweden, you know, they have a carbon tax, but they've pretty much completely exempted home heating uh, and electricity generation from that carbon tax. So all of the effect is in the, in the transportation sector, uh, where, by the way, they do see a fairly large effect of the, the carbon tax on on fuel usage in in transportation um but are you going to see that same effect on on home heating who knows i say a lot of the a lot of the um the evidence just isn't isn't there and has been there for a long time yeah so i mean i guess that's interesting so when we're looking for evidence of this we can't you know we might you might see different countries or different jurisdictions who have tried various things but but each one is going to look a bit different we even know in canada 
the carbon tax itself on home heating has affected different regions differently because, you know, different types of fuel are more prominent in one area versus another, I guess. Indeed, indeed. That's why... uh you know, the, if we look at the, I was trying to look up some numbers about the, the rebate system, which we'll talk about later, uh, in Canada and why the, the per household uh, rebate is, is lower in New Brunswick than, than any other province. And part of it is because the home heating fuel component in New Brunswick is quite low. They're not expecting to, to get a lot of money uh, because people heat with electricity here more and they also heat with uh, wood here more than they do in, in some other provinces. And so the, um, and given that the the federal government only wants to give back inside a province the amount of carbon tax revenue that it collects in that province, you know, the composition of of different kinds of home heating is one of the important things that they're trying to keep track of uh, for that reason alone. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the rebate because that might be one of the more complicated aspects of it in Canada anyways. It seems, I don't know if other countries have done a similar thing where the federal government has has brought in a carbon tax, well, I'm never calling it a carbon tax, but <laughs> they've brought in the carbon tax and tried to say this is a perfectly revenue neutral tax. This isn't a cash grab. We're not making more revenue off this. Where it's going to be money in, money out. And I think number one, a lot of people that have, you know, even in my personal life, have asked me like, well, what what the heck difference does that make then? If it's money in, money out, then why even bother? Oh, okay. Well, two things. Um, well. Money in, money out, yes, uh, but the price of gasoline is still higher, which means in a relative sense, gasoline is more expensive than other things. And because of that, uh, economic theory predicts that you're going to substitute away from the more expensive thing and into things that are less expensive. So the mere fact that gasoline is more expensive will perhaps cause you to take uh, a fewer, you know, fewer trips in your car or perhaps in the longer or medium term, change the kind of vehicle you're driving. Or carpool. Uh, or carpool or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, the, um, and so the, the, the price change is still there, even after you rebate the money. I mean, any price increase, tax or non-tax, does two things to people. It uh, changes the relative prices, which things are more or less expensive, and it also takes money out of their pocket. And what the... What the government is trying to do with the rebate is try to neutralize that second effect uh, so that, you know, on net, less money is out of people's pocket. And also, you know, there's also the political optics, I would, I would imagine, of, of saying, look, this isn't a cash grab. This isn't some kind of, of, of thing that's motivated by government largesse. It's, it's meant to change the price and it's meant to change the, the behavior around pollution. It's not meant to make money for the government. It's meant to be part of the suite of tools for reducing CO2 emissions. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I should ask you about is, you know, we're in an affordability crisis and uh, a lot of people look at the, the timing of the last few years and think, okay, carbon taxes and affordability crisis, the two must, one must have caused the other. How reasonable is that assumption? Well, I, I think that, uh, to use the economist's phrase, all else is not equal. Um, you know, there's a lot going on uh, with respect to affordability crisis, um, housing markets. I don't see a direct link uh, to, to the carbon tax there. Uh, food prices, well, there might be some, but there's a lot going on in, in, in food markets. There's a lot of, 
you know, global transport problems, uh, holdups in the Black Sea, uh, you know, global grain prices have been high for a lot of reasons. Uh, this, you know, in, in this year and, and going into next winter, unfortunately, we're seeing that there was, uh, you know, crop failures in Europe, especially in, in crops that were used for cooking oils. So cooking oils are going to be expensive again uh, this winter, and that's for reasons, you know, more or less unrelated to um, to carbon taxes. And, of course, cooking oils are the kind of thing that's going to propagate through, uh, through a lot of restaurant food as well, uh, and uh, not just uh, stuff in the grocery store. So... Um, you know, I'm sure it it plays some part. I mean, mm-hmm. the car- carbon tax is what eight percent of of the uh, the cost of of gasoline right now, give or take. You know, and so you know, transportation. I don't know. Is tr- transportation can't be more than than a quarter of the cost of of certain things. We we know that you know in general the biggest cost of of most operations is is personnel, and so you know, so a quarter times eight percent is two percent. All right. So so let's um, you know that's a, a just completely off the off the off-the-cuff number, and I think that's too high, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so what, uh, you know, if prices are going up by by 6, 7, and 8, and last year 9%, you know, I don't think, I don't think carbon tax is, is the only culprit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a good sense of, you know, of whether it's a, a small cul- culprit or a, or a, or a you know, a small to medium-sized culprit, but I, I don't think it's the I don't think it's the main culprit. Okay. All right. I mean, and, and are are people actively working on that question right now? Like looking for trying to yeah trying to trying to, to trace back what's what's going on exactly? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they are. I mean, you know, the problem is, you know, most data in econ is retrospective, right? We only find out. <laughs> find out that something happened after it happened, and and then after that, you have to take a while to. To assemble the numbers and and sort through them and and uh, and then then find the culprit. So it takes uh, you know it takes years, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, to figure these things out. And uh, you know sometimes the problem has moved on before you figure out what the cause is, and that's mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. But you know careful thought is often slow thought, and that's you know but that's what we need to to know what really went on is to is to you know. Not just assume that because two things happen at the same time, um, they're causing each other in some sense. You know, if, if they were the only two things that changed, yeah, fine. But that's a lot's happened in the last two years, right? Not just <laughs> yeah. there are more things happened in this world than carbon taxes and 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 uh, you know the Canadian consumer price index going up, and uh, and we have to there's work to be done to to sort it all out for sure. That's part of a conversation with Mount A professor Craig Brett. We will post the whole interview at chmafm.com later today. That's it for Tanchamar Report for this Tuesday, November 21st. In light of the continuing Facebook ban on Canadian news outlets, help us spread the word about CHMA's work by sharing stories via email or just telling your friends and neighbours to check out CHMA at 106.9 FM or chmafm.com. I'm Erica Butler. Thanks for listening.
Hello, I'm Craig Brett, and you're listening to CHMA. Hello, hello, and happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Late Morning Show here on CHMA. That was your Tantramar Report, courtesy of Erica Butler. I'm your Late Morning host, JC, and you're listening to CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick, Voice of the Marshes. The time is 9.16, and how about we get right into a weather report? So, it is sunny today. It looks like it's going to be sunny the majority of the day. It's currently minus 4. It will be a high of 0. Wind chill of minus 11 currently. In the evening, uh, there will be increasing cloudiness before morning with the regular 15 kilometer hour winds and a low of minus 9. Tomorrow, cloudy. Periods of rain beginning late in the afternoon with a high of plus 3 and a wind chill of minus 10 in the morning. In the evening on Wednesday, periods of rain and a low of plus 2. On Thursday, it'll be a high of 7 and cloudy throughout the day and a low of minus 3. On Friday, to round out the work week, it'll be sunny with a high of plus 1 and clear in the evening with a low of minus 12. If you bundle up nice and warm, probably be a good time for stargazing. All right, this weekend on Saturday, sunny with a high of minus 5 and clear in the evening with a low of minus 9. And to finish off the weekend and the week, a mix of sun and cloud with a high of minus 1 on Sunday and flurries in the evening with a low of minus 2. All right, let's get right into a few local announcements. So join staff at CHMA, join the staff. Come join us on Saturday, this Saturday coming up, November 25th, between 1 and 3 p.m. for a tutorial on pre-recording and uploading your own radio show. Learn how to quickly record weeks' worth of content from the comfort of CHMA's audio production room or digital media room. Stop by the CHMA headquarters on the third floor of the Mount Allison Student Center, or better known as the Wallace McCain Student Center, And CHMA staff will also be available to give you a tour, answer any questions you might have about radio, podcasting, and audio production, or how you can get involved with your local community and campus radio station. As always, CHMA events are fun, free, and open to everyone. All right, a few more things that are open to absolutely everyone. The Mount Allison Fine Arts Department is holding their first student art show and sale of the year on Friday, November 24th. That's this Friday. So you can head down to the Purdy Crawford Center for the Arts from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. to support the work of Mount Allison's fine arts students and maybe even pick up some new artwork that you don't have. Purchases can be made with cash only. All right, also, you can drop in to the Owens Art Gallery from 7 to 9 p.m. on November 22nd. That is tomorrow. So from 7 to 9 p.m. on Wednesday, join Sackville artist Melissa Morris for Maker Maker Felt Friends. Learn to create a small felt object of your own design at the final Maker Maker of the term. The possibilities are endless, and the only limit is your imagination. For more information on this event, you can head to the owensartgallery.com website. All right. Also, a few things directly from me. 
Uh, I was at Moonlight Madness recently, and I had a lot of submissions for jokes, so I figured I would share one with you all. So this one comes from Nick, and get this, what's a pirate's favorite letter? You think it'd be R, but it'll be the C. Get it? Because they always say R. <laughs> Instead, it's the letter C. Anyways, that's a good joke. It's a good, uh, good dad joke. If you, uh, if you know Nick, he uh, he's pretty, he's pretty full of the of the dad jokes. All right. One last thing for me, until we get right back to the music and keep this show rolling. Today is World Hello Day. So World Hello Day, you might be asking, what does what does that mean? It recognizes the role of communication and how it plays for preserving peace. The day also encourages world leaders to use communication rather than force to settle conflicts. It doesn't take a lot of effort in general to say hello. It's one little word that means a whole lot. Hello shows that you are friendly. It shows that you want to connect with somebody. And saying hello is a great way to start a conversation, as we all know. And generally, when you say hello to someone, they say it back. Not always. But keep your heads up if they don't. Maybe they didn't hear you. (laughs) Maybe they're having a bad day. Yeah, hello provides a way to communicate with everybody from family members to coworkers, uh, and even to greet strangers that you pass on the sidewalk or in the hallway. And it is incredible how much uh, one little word brings to the world. So a few fun facts about the word hello. Uh, Hello is believed to be derived from the word hail, which dates back to the Middle Ages. Hello is related to other words that mean health. Um, The word was first used in the 1800s, but was used to express surprise. Also, there is, of course, many ways to say hello in all sorts of languages. You have hola, bonjour, guten tag, ciao, namaste, salam, a few that I can think of off the top of my head as well. You got salwete, uh, which would be to a group of people. It's hello, it's greetings, uh, and that is Latin. Uh, And then kairete is ancient Greek. But yeah, say hello to people. Often, you know, if you're having a bad day and someone says hello to you or they spark up a conversation with you, you immediately forget about your about your problems and uh, you start feeling better. So say hello to everyone, just to everyone, not just today also. Anyways, that is enough from me. So let's get rolling right into the music for some late morning tunes. So up next for your listening pleasure, we have God's Country by Alexander Gallant. I could live forever Eating ice cream in the sun The whole town's talking about her It's on the lips of everyone That I meet But she's with me 
so they understand why I've been thinking God's country is wherever I am unbelievable plenty some folks just got it all but me and my baby we're like honey on a spoon along came June like a flower in my hand so I've been thinking God's country is wherever I can't conceive of heaven then what can we conceive she's been talking about something that will make it all worthwhile so I'll tie my shoes what do I have to lose I've never made a plan and I've been thinking God's country is wherever been thinking God's country is wherever I Land is a weekly hour-long radio show that presents news, opinion, and analysis with a focus on Canadian media, current affairs, and politics. Tune in every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. for Canada Land on CHMA 106.9 FM, the voice of the marshes. Oh, uh-huh. 
That was Mohawk singer-songwriter, born in Canada, Shawnee Keish, with her song, Win Me Over. Happy Tuesday, and welcome back to the Late Morning Show here on CHMA. I'm your Late Morning host, JC, and you are listening to CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick, broadcasting live to all of you beautiful CHMA listeners 